Welcome to the CFA Society San Francisco Meet a Member podcast, where we interview and discuss current topics with leading members of the Bay Area investment community. This month, Tanya Subatang, Membership Manager with CFA Society San Francisco, sits down with Sarah Malik, Chief Investment Officer for Nuveen's $420 billion Global Equity Division, to discuss mentorship, career planning, and women in finance. Hi, Sarah. Welcome for joining us. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. We had such a great conversation last time. I'm super excited for our listeners to hear what you have to say. So jumping right in, you started your professional career um, at JP Morgan back in 1995, but really you've been in the industry far, far much longer. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about that? Sure. So actually, I entered the industry when I was a teenager. Um, When I was 19 years old, I got my Series 7 and 63 licenses so I could work as a stockbroker. I actually became interested in this because of my mom. So my mom is an immigrant from Pakistan, and she's a retired medical doctor now, but she loved the market. And when I was a kid, she was always watching what was then known as FNN, the Financial News Network. She was always trying to get me to watch it with her. Uh, I wasn't that interested in it, but finally I sat down, I started watching it with her and she had a friend who was a pretty famous newsletter writer at the time. He'd been on shows like Wall Street Week. Um, and eventually I went to study with him for part of a summer when I was in college and I learned from him. I thought the markets were just fascinating. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to go out get my Series 7 and 63, work as a stockbroker, publish my own newsletter that I will send to clients. And if they like the stocks that I pick in my newsletter, then they can buy them through me. So I I did that for my last couple of years of college. I would go to individual investor conferences, set up a booth, have my newsletter available for people for free, but ask them if they liked any of my stocks that they would buy them through me. Um, you know, the fun part of this is that newsletter writer's name was Al Frank. He used to be on shows like Wall Street Week. And now I've been on Wall Street Week uh, by Bloomberg a couple of times. And it's just really exciting to think that way back, you know, almost three decades ago, uh, I was so interested in this industry. And today I really just get to be a part of it and continue to pick stocks. That is such exciting um, opportunity. I mean, I think when I was 19 years old, I barely knew what I wanted to do in college. So, <laughs> so was so <laughs> you mentioning that you've had that internship. Was there under, any other you know things that kind of influenced you, or was it really just that opportunity to work with him closely that got you interested? You know, that was really what instigated my interest in the industry. And also, as I mentioned, my mother's interest. I I actually, my background is not a typical background for Wall Street. I was actually, uh, I grew up in Stockton, California. Uh, When I went to high school, when I was a junior, my career counselor, his recommendation for me was actually not to go to university. He told me I should just go to community college and end my education there. Um, obviously, I didn't listen to him. And I think it's important sometimes to just follow your own heart and what you're interested in. But that path for me to get to Wall Street was not very clear to me. And so, you know, it took me a lot of time to figure out how do I do that? You know, after um, getting this passion through um, picking stocks and getting my Series 7 and 63, I did go to college. I was an economics major. 
I did continue writing my newsletter for a number of years during um, as I as until I finished college. Uh, and then I went on to get my master's in finance. And I was fortunate in that I went to a school, University of Wisconsin-Madison, where they let you manage money for their school's endowment fund. And that was just perfect for me wow. to be able to do that while I got my master's in finance. And I was fortunate because as we started this conversation in 1995, when I graduated from University of Wisconsin, JP Morgan Asset Management hired from that school. And I was very lucky. I got a job in equity research on the buy side, picking stocks. And that was literally my dream job. Um, it was the beginning of my career. And to this day, I still, while I am CIO of the entire platform, I do still pick stocks and it is what I love to do. That's such an inspiring story, especially for being so young. That's amazing. Um, and last we spoke, you mentioned two women who played a big influence in um influence in your life, it's your mother and grandmother. Um, can you tell us how have they influenced you and how's that impacted to where you are in your career today? They were very influential. I, my grandmother actually, so she was born in India and eventually they were in Pakistan. My grandmother actually was one of the first women accepted into medical school in India. My mom followed in her footsteps and also became a doctor and what I love about my grandmother's story is her diploma hangs in my house and her diploma for medical school, uh, when she graduated, there was no diploma for women. So in the, on this diploma, the hymns are crossed out and they've handwritten in her above it. And next to the he, they had to handwrite in and pass because there were really no women medical doctors. Um, she finished medical school. She practiced as a doctor throughout her life until she retired. My mom followed in her footsteps. And and they've both been very inspiring to me to sort of see the things that they've done. They've, they've paved their own ways. They Obviously, my grandmother didn't take no for an answer. Uh, she was interested in becoming a doctor and, and you know, she paved her own way to be able to do that. You know, my mom, it, it's not just about um, her ending up as a doctor. The, the reason she left Pakistan is also an interesting one. Um, you know, for her, um, her, her marriage was supposed to be arranged in Pakistan. That was a choice that she didn't want to have made for her. So she ended up leaving the country and moving to England where I was born so that she could have her own freedom of choice. And again, it just inspires me to see the women in my family who have you know, really made their own choices in life and paved their own way. And I also actually have two daughters. They're five and seven years old. And I hope to continue on that legacy of my mom and grandmother and hand that down to my daughter so that they uh, throughout my life do the things that they find the most interesting to them. That it's amazing that, you know, you have these two very strong women to really kind of give you that support, you know, and, and kind of in that same line, we know that the invest, investment industry um, to men to women ratio, unfortunately, women are far, are not equal. You know, there's far more men in the industry. Um, having been surrounded by very strong women, why do you think it's so important for women in the investment industry to mentor other women or um, what can other women do to help pave ways for upcoming women wanting to be in this industry? It's interesting because not it's not just my mom and my grandmother who were important mentors for me. When I started at J.P. Morgan, uh, my most important mentor in my career has also been another woman, Susan, who has since retired, but... I met her right when I started at J.P. Morgan. She was a research analyst. She became my boss. She eventually left J.P. Morgan to go to TIA, which is now Nuveen, uh, the asset management arm. And I followed Susan. And I still keep in touch with her to this day. She's been a huge influence on me. Uh, when I started in the industry, 
Susan, she's married. She had two children. Uh, Eventually, you know, we look very similar to each other. And I I actually remember uh, as I was a research analyst, one day Susan came up to me and at that point she was head of the research team. She was moving up into a head of equity role. And she said to me, you know, you could be part of management here. You could continue to do well. And I remember thinking, who's she talking to? I wasn't clear to me that she was actually talking to me. I thought maybe someone was behind me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was saying it to me. And, and partly it was, I saw her. She she did the same thing. Maybe not surprisingly, I am now in the same job that she retired from uh, when she retired from the industry. Susan always used to say to me, investing is the ultimate meritocracy. It doesn't matter what you look like. Your gender doesn't matter. It matters if you put up results. Investment results are what they are. Uh, you know, it's data. It's, it's hard numbers. And I think that's the best part about this job. Um, either you're good at it or you're not. It doesn't matter who you are, what your education is, where you came from, what you look like. It matters. Do you put up strong returns for your clients? I love that. I think that's such a great reminder for a lot of young people that's coming in um, who might not have gone to schools that are very popular or, or very well known. Um, what in, in that respect, you know, what advice would you give them coming in? And, you know, we, last time we talked, your path was, you know, is completely different from someone else next to you. What kind of advice would you give them um, who's interested in coming into this industry? Yeah, well, one of my passions is helping people figure out that path when it's not completely clear right in front of you, because that was my situation. I mentioned that my career counselor gave me advice that I don't think was good advice uh, for, to give a student or any student. So, I mean, one thing is you have to be careful about listening to everyone's advice. I've heard all these things. Oh, you didn't come from the right school. Oh, we don't hire from your school. You know, I, I just moved on and I kept looking and looking for people who who valued what I had to bring to the table. So one thing is resilience, uh, making sure you don't give up, making sure that you have a thick skin. You don't listen to every piece of advice if, if maybe it's not the best advice for you. Determination is important. You really have to stay determined. For me, all of that comes from my passion for investing. I absolutely love investing. I was going to do it either way. Even if I didn't have a job on Wall Street, I got my Series 7 and I was doing it myself, writing my own newsletter. I was going to do it whether I had an official job doing it or not. Uh, I feel like my hobby has become my career and I love it. And I think when you find something that you are that passionate about, you know, you will you will have that determination and resilience to get through the hard times and really figure out how to get where you want to be. And that for me is the key. I, I say to people a lot when they ask me, I say, if you, you really love this business, that that's what's the important part. Because there's going to be hard times. There's going to be times not only where it's difficult to you know, to find the path, but also where you have terrible investment results. And, and that mm-hmm. in itself is a very emotional time for people. And and just being able to get through that, you really have to have a passion for business. And, and clearly you do. I mean, having started at 19, that to me, that's so quite impressive. <laughs> so, um, so I, I, I mentioned this earlier about mentoring other women um, and the importance of it. You know, do you, do you think and have you had an experience where that does help shape the industry a little bit better? And maybe in the future, if we get more women in mentoring and in a mentorship position, do you, are you optimistic in kind of the women's roles or their contribution into the industry? I'm incredibly optimistic about the future for women in the industry. Uh, I don't think we're moving as fast as we should be. We should always be moving faster. However, I do think back to my grandmother's diploma, 1934. 
She's one of the first women allowed into medical school. And today, I don't think there's a single person who would be surprised if their doctor is a female and it's, you know, it's less than 100 years later. Um, you know, we need to move faster than that. But it is good to see that that progress can be made. You know, important things for me have been seeing women in roles that I think I can get to. Uh, as I mentioned, I, I have ended up in the role that my most important mentor was in. I think it was important that she made sure that she brought me along. I try to do that for other women here. I've noticed often that people, uh, sometimes women and diverse people don't raise their hands for jobs as aggressively as other people do. And so we have to keep an eye out for talented people and make sure that they're not falling through the crack. I think it's important also to have a diverse pool of candidates because um, it'll force you to go outside of maybe your normal style box for hiring. So that gets us out of the, oh, we only hire from certain schools. Again, stock picking mm-hmm. is something that a lot of people can be good at. It doesn't always come from just a certain level of educational training. It can be also more of a passion for someone like it was for me. Um, you know, you can just be good at it, even though maybe you didn't come from the exact background that everybody else did. I think all of those are really important things in terms of helping us move forward in terms of getting more diversity uh, and gender diversity into this industry. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree with you more. So having had that amazing start, <laughs> I know I'm harping on it, but I'm just so incredibly impressed. If you have the opportunity to go back and talk to your younger self, what advice would you give her? And knowing what you know now, because you've, you've been in this industry now for over 20 years, is, you know, so what have you learned in your path? Can you give her um, if you had the chance to speak to her? Well, I've been through a lot of ups and downs in the industry, um, not only from where I didn't know how to get to where I wanted to be, but also just from investment performance points of view, it can be really challenging when you're having a tough investment performance year uh, and really easy to doubt yourself. So, you know, there's a reason I tell the story about my career counselor. And one of those reasons is it happened, you know, over 25 years ago and I haven't forgotten it. And oftentimes you hear things like that. And maybe I can look back today and it's just a story that I tell people. But, you know, these kind of things actually hit pretty hard when you hear them and it makes you doubt yourself. So one thing is spend less time doubting yourself. Spend less time worrying about you know, what somebody else might say to you when, when you look back and you realize like it, that, that was coming from probably a place for them, but it, it wasn't necessarily something that really should have reflected on you. Mm-hmm. Um, having a thick skin, because you're oftentimes going to hear from people things that, you know, maybe that I've heard that I'm not qualified. I don't come from the right school, things like that. You know, having that confidence and a thick skin just how to say, okay, um, I'm going to move forward from this and keep doing what I want to do. Um, you know, I have made mistakes myself in my career in you know, different ways and we may able to learn from them and let them go. I, I've seen sometimes people, they, they start to make mistakes and they sort of can't let the mistake go. Uh, you know, learn to stop dwelling on it, move forward. You can keep learning. I look back at so many mistakes that I've made in the industry and, you know, I've continued on. Uh, I think that's been important. Um, accepting feedback from people. I'm much better at it now than I used to be. Uh, and that's how you learn again, too, as you listen to people like these great mentors that I had. Uh, you know, Susan was so instrumental in giving me a lot of feedback and teaching me things in my life uh, in terms of how to handle my career. And I mean, er- everything she gave me, it, it's just been golden. I still talk to her to this day because she's still such an incredible wealth of knowledge for me. Mm-hmm. So I have to ask, have you gone back to that counselor at any point and say, look at me now? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny because... 
I left a little part out. So before I worked on my master's, I did a, a short stint working on my PhD in finance, but I, I ended up dropping out because I realized the PhD wasn't what I wanted. So I got my master's instead. Uh, I was fortunate for my PhD. I got a full scholarship and I never went back to him, but he lived near us. And I always used to ask my mom, I said, do you run into him? And does he ever ask about me? And she once told me, she said, you know, he really, he, he sees me. We've known each other a long time. She goes, he never asked about you. I thought, because, you know, I bet you he just doesn't really think I was going to do much. I said, well, will you please just tell him I went to get my PhD and then tell me the look on his face. <laughs> and so one day she was walking the dog and she said, I told him, I said, what did you do? She goes, his jaw just dropped. He goes, I never would have imagined. <laughs> and so, you know, and that's another thing that I remember to this day. And I was just, you know, kind of glad to see it that, you know, and I think that's the important thing with diversity is people sometimes have impressions of you before, when you walk in the room or just by looking at you. And every time you walk into that room, it's your chance to, to change their impression. I think it's, it's really important because if there's more diverse people sitting in a room, then it's going to start looking more normal. And any impressions of people of what school you came from or what you look like, eventually they won't care because it's not going to be that you're from the unusual school that we don't hire from or, or you're the person in the room who doesn't look like other people. Eventually, it's all going to meld together and it won't be unusual. And that, I think it's kind of like my grandmother, right? There was no diploma mm -hmm. for women. She went to medical school. I'm sure when she was a doctor, it was completely unusual to have a female doctor. But yet, look at today. We don't question that. Uh, we don't even, uh, so I think, you know, we can do the same thing in finance if we just, you know, I view it sometimes like somebody's got to do it, right? But even if it's just few of us, we have to mm -hmm. keep going until we get to that level where all of this is just normal course of business. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a great story. You should probably ask your mom, you should take a picture. <laughs> <laughs> so but I'm, I'm glad you got that opportunity or your mom got the opportunity to tell him because uh, you know having said that I think you're right if you had probably believed that you probably would have been where you are today so um before we end our conversation because I could probably talk to you about this for more time and but I know your time is crucial uh, what it what's your what's your advice for your daughters? I mean, they're really young right now, you know, but they are coming into a world that's changing um, and women are coming out and being stronger. And you know, to, to what you said, we're getting into roles that we normally will not find a lot of women in. Like, what is what do you usually tell them? Yeah, I got a lot of good advice from my family when I was growing up. And it was that you know, they came to this country because they really believed in the American dream and that freedom to be able to pursue anything that you want. Um, I was told that from a very young age, that you can go out there and do anything that you want. I obviously had great examples in my family of people who had done that. But I'll be honest with you, I never thought anything different. I mean, even when I would hear from people that like, maybe you're not qualified, I remember just thinking like, of course I'm qualified. Like, what are you talking about? Um, I think that attitude is because I was told that my whole life. I tell my daughters that too. Um, it's not about them doing something that I want them to do. I, people have asked me like, what do you want your daughters to be when they grow up? My answer is anything they want. And I mean anything. And I think that's the important thing is helping women understand that from a young age, you know, we can accomplish anything that we set our minds to. I think that's incredibly important. Um, you know, I think another thing that's important is not looking back with a lot of regrets. Uh, again, this gets back to the making mistakes and dwelling on them. You know, don't just regret things that you've done. Take everything as a learning experience and move forward from it. Um, another part I didn't really completely include was, you know, I didn't just go, even though I got my stock workers license and I published a newsletter, um, in between that, I was um, able to get a couple of internships. I got my first one at Montgomery Asset Management in San Francisco. Uh, this is during graduate school. 
and you know they didn't they weren't um, hiring from my school I sent them a letter and offered to work for free mm-hmm. and I basically said like if you just let me come and work for your it was the international stock picking team I'll just do it for free and they were they said sure um, and I came out and I just worked incredibly you know I worked really hard for them for, for free I ran into the head of that group years later and he said you know I would he said he was always the first one in the office and the last one to leave he said until you showed up that summer he was like couldn't figure out when you came in and left because you were there the entire time and I was like I was just so excited I know I was working for free but I was just so excited someone gave me a chance they actually offered me a job um, when I finished the internship but I said no I want to finish my master's because I wanted to get my degree they offered me one for after my master's and I instead went to JP Morgan but um it's just you know things like that it's just again that that sort of passion again and just believing you can do things I think that's really important I want my daughters to always feel like the world is open for them to pursue anything that they they want to do and as long as they work hard you know I think that's the other key though is, you know, working hard at it. Don't just think that anything's going to be handed to you. You know, Sarah, I think anybody listening into our interview today will have no doubt how tenacious you are and how driven and hardworking. I mean, to offer your services for free is a scary thing, you know, and, and you did it. And I think that's a great reminder for all of us is get out of your comfort zone and follow your passion. And I don't, maybe, maybe that's not being said enough nowadays, you know? So, you know how I look at it? I think back that like time's going to pass you by either way. So you can just let it pass. You can let it pass by trying things that you're interested in, but in the end, you're just going to look back five years later. And if, if you didn't try it, you'll look back and go, well, I wonder like what would have happened if I tried a little harder? Well, the answer is you don't know because the time already passed by. <laughs> Or you look back, you go, hey, I tried that. And either it worked out extremely well, worked out pretty well. Maybe halfway through, I decided I didn't even like it that much anymore. But it's super important to me to, you know, to always make sure that you're, you know, continuing to try. Because I don't, I don't want to look back at life with regrets in the end and, and feel that, you know, oh, I should have done that, but mm-hmm. I didn't do it then because somebody told me I shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. I, I want to say in the end, like, I'm happy with everything I tried to do. And even if I quit halfway through, it's because I wanted to quit. Mm-hmm. Not because somebody else told me I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's, you know, you look at life, it's going to pass you by either way. So what are you going to do while it's small time passing? Right, right. So, okay, final question I have to ask you, is there anything left that you want to do? And it could be in your career or or something outside of that. What, you know, what's what's next for you? What is your next goal? If you have any, what do you think? I mean, there's personal, there's family and there's work wise. So, you know, the work wise is I do feel like I'm getting to a stage in my career where I do want to give more back. So, if, you know, when Susan retired now 13 years ago, she said to me, I've helped a lot of women in this industry. Your job is to keep doing that. It's not just about you. It's about helping others. Um, I have tried to do that, um, you know, constantly trying to make sure that we have a diverse team and a diverse group of portfolio managers and analysts. I think I want to do increasingly more of that because I'm getting to a stage in my career too, where I can have a lot of influence. Um, obviously, you know, my, my daughter's getting them to the right, you know, place in life, helping them sort of understand that, you know, if it's even better today than it was when I was a kid, the options are so open. Personally, I'd like to travel. <laughs> so <laughs> that counts on things I'd like to do, um, you know, enjoy my free time too. So um, I'm looking forward to all I post COVID, all of that. Exactly. Hopefully soon, hopefully in the horizon. So, well, Sarah, thank you so much for your time. I know you're super busy. Um, so for you to come on and be, you know, featured and talking with us, it's such an honor. I really thank you. Well, it's an honor for me to be able to t- share my story. I appreciate it.
Okay. Well, we'll hopefully get to speak to you again next time. Thank you again. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this month's Meet a Member podcast. We hope you enjoyed the engaging discussion. Please stay tuned for more Meet a Member podcast episodes featured every fourth Tuesday in our weekly newsletters and through our podcast channel, available through most major podcast apps.